Welcome to Maranatha Teaching Podcast. I'm your host, Femi Fenoyo. We have joined a series that I've been doing on Maranatha YouTube teaching channel titled The Bible. We have joined the series at the beginning of another season, which we have titled The Story of the Whole Bible. You remember where we are. You remember the journey so far. We we looked through creation, the sixth day of creation. Remember what we did the last time is that we were looking at how the seventh day is so different from the other sixth day. There's a sense in which they are the same. There is a continuity, okay? The seventh day, there cannot be a seventh day if there is no first to sixth day. But there is something that is so important about the seventh day. So let's read Genesis chapter 2 and let us read verses 1 to 3. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished and all the hosts of them. And on the seventh day, God ended his work, which he has made, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he has made. And God blessed the seventh day and sanctified, very, very important, because that in it, he had rested from all his work, which God have created. You see, the Bible says that there was seven days, but the Bible says God rested. And we said the word rest there is the same word in Hebrew that is called Shabbat. And that the word rest there is not resting from exhaustion so that you can regain your strength. No, it's to cease. You are resting because your work is done. It's like when you are doing mathematic equation. I remember in those days, when you finish the equation, you said QED. In other words, the problem is solved, QED. The problem is solved. We stop that. We can go on to the next issue. And that is what the rest there means. And we said, when we look at this rest of God, there is a sense in which there is a disengagement. In other words, God has finished this work. But the rest also, there is an engagement. When God is resting, it's not a rest of idleness. It's not a rest of doing nothingness. It's actually a rest in which God sustains that which he has created. And we have said that creation is so, so much about God, the king, and God inaugurating his kingdom. So in the creation, God inaugurated the kingdom. Now in his rest, he actually propagates that kingdom. In his rest, the rest is about propagation. It's about government. It's about maintenance. And that is what the rest is all about. And that is what we have seen here. And we said on the basis of this, that when you look at creation, there are two peaks. And this is really, I know, I know, I know I'm repeating this, but it is important for us to get this because if we don't get this story, every other thing, we, 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 we will be confused about, you know, people, people read the story sometimes and will read it disjointly. We need to go back to the beginning because like we said in many, many teachings ago, Genesis gives us the bearing. Genesis gives us the foundation upon which the other story of the Bible is then based. So we really need to get the, the direction here as we look through the book of Genesis, chapter 1 particularly, and chapter 2. So there are two peaks. The first peak of creation, which is very, very important, which is actually the crown of creation is the six in the creation of humanity. The creation of the man and the woman, the creation of humanity is the crown jewel of creation. So that's the first thing. God created his king. God created his queen. God created his vassal region to, to, to rule 
on behalf of God. So that is the first peak. And that peak is very, very important. But the second peak is this seventh day, is what happened on the seventh day. And that is the Sabbath rest, because that is what happened on the seventh day. Remember we said, God rested, then God blessed that day. And God set apart that day. The seventh day was set apart because it was God's rest. So this is the second peak. And we said, the first peak, which is the seas, which is the creation of human, that was the crown jewel of creation. But the second peak is this Sabbath rest, that Sabbath rest, this Sabbath day, this seventh day, and that this is actually the supreme goal of the creation world. And it is important for us to understand that this was the supreme goal. And we've looked at how the seventh day was unique. And I'm not going to go into all that. So let's move this forward a little bit. So I said, talk about the two peaks. Now I want to look at these two peaks again, but this time around, as it is reflected in the name that was used for God in these two peaks. You remember that we said that in Genesis chapter one, verse one, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. We said the name for God in that verse is Elohim. And that word Elohim speaks about the raw power of God. It thinks it speaks about the ability of God to create without breaking sweat. God said, let there be light, and there was light. So when the Bible used the word Elohim for God, we are talking about the power of God. We are talking about the might of God. And that was the, that was the revelation. That was the first revelation of God that we saw in the scripture. He is the God who is king. He is the God you know, we read in the book of Ecclesiastes that where the word of the king is, there is power. So the full revelation of God is God the king, the king that is exercising power, that is exercising dominion. And that is the name of God that we saw in, when we're talking about the first sixth day of creation. So we're talking about these two peaks. So in the first peak, the first six days, we see God Elohim. And that was the name of God that we see in the first six days. I see the name of God is important because it revealed to us something about God. It reveals to us something about his activity and it reveals to us something about God's relationship with his people. So in the first week, we see God who is Elohim, God's power, God's might in creation. Now in the second account of Genesis, God's name Elohim has now been replaced Wait for it by the name Yahweh. That is the name of God that we see in the second account of Genesis chapter 2. In the creation, what we see is God who is Elohim. But in the second account, when God enters into his rest, the name of God that we see in that second account is the name Yahweh. What is the name Yahweh? Yahweh is God's personal name. Remember, rest. Rest speaks about God's the people's relationship with God. So this name of God, Yahweh, number one, is God's personal name. Number two is God's covenant name. Is the name of God that is revealed to us in his interaction. Is the name for marriage with his people. All right. And that is the name. And that name actually shows us something about God's rest. In this rest, hallelujah, we have a covenant relationship, like the relationship a man will have with his wife, in the relationship of marriage. And that is the relationship that occurs in this period of rest. So in the first account of Genesis, when God was creating, we use the name Elohim for God. Now, God does not stop being Elohim. He, God the Elohim is God the Yahweh. 
God the Elohim is God Yahweh. does not stop being Elohim. But now we have another revelation of God. And you need to understand that in the scripture, we have one level of revelation of God on another level of revelation of God. The revelation of God in the scripture is step by step, here a little and there a little. So somewhere in the future, by the grace of God, we are still going to come back and talk about this covenant name of God. In fact, we are still going to talk about the concept of covenant. This is very, very important. Amen, amen. Now, also in the new creation. So we've talked about these two peaks in the creation story in Genesis. But let's rush, let's go forward and we'll look at the new creation. Also in the new creation story, there are two peaks. So when you read the book of John chapter 1, it actually John chapter 1 is actually also a creation story. But it's a different creation story because here, God is not creating mortar. It's not creating physical world. God is doing something new. Hallelujah. The Bible says, God said, I will do something new. If any man being in Christ is a new creation. So in the new creation story, there are two peaks also. There's one peak, which is the new creation of mankind on the, on the cross of Jesus. The cross of Jesus was the first peak of the new creation story. That was the crown. Okay, the Lord Jesus came, he was born for three years, he was performing all this miracle, then he went on the cross, and that is the peak. And the work of the cross actually secure our new creation. And the second peak, just like in the Genesis story, is also the Sabbath rest. You know, we've read it in Hebrews chapter four, that just like there was a rest, in the book of Genesis, there's another rest also in the New Testament. And we read that, isn't it, in the book of Hebrews chapter 4. Now, I'm not going to read that again. So, in the new creation story, so we have the cross, which was one peak, but also we have the Sabbath rest, which is also the supreme goal of the new creation world. Let's read Second Corinthians chapter 5. Remember, now we are talking about the new creation story. We are also looking at the two peaks in the new creation story. So the first peak, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 14 to 21, for the love of Christ constrains us because we thus judge that if one died for all, then all are dead, and that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Wherefore henceforth we know, wherefore henceforth know we know man after the flesh. Yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth know we him no more. Therefore, this is where I'm going. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, if any woman be in Christ, he or she is a new creature. That is the new creation. Just like God created in the beginning. The Bible says, all things are passed away and behold, all things become new and all things are of God who has reconciled all to himself by Jesus Christ and has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. To we that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespass unto them and has committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then we are ambassadors for Christ as though God did beseech you by us and we pray you in Christ that, that you be reconciled to God for he has made him to be seen for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Hallelujah. Now there is so much we can unpack in this couple of scripture but the reason we have come here is not to unpack the scripture is to just have a, a glimpse of the new creation story. Verse 17 says, if any man be in Christ. So this new creation is being the, 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 the environment, the scenery 
is in Christ. God is making this new creation in Christ Jesus. Maybe somewhere in the future, we are going to talk about in Christ reality. If any man be in Christ, if any man, any woman be in Christ, there is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Let's read Romans chapter 8 from verses 19 from verse 19 and read all the way down to verse 22. For the earnest expectation of creation waited for what? The manifestation of the sons of God. For the creation was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who has subjected the same in hope, because the creature, listen, itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. We know that the whole creation groaned and traveled in pain, even until now. Now, this is really very, very important for us. And then I will, I, will co- I will comment on this in a second. Let me just quickly refer to what I said about Hebrews chapter 4. And I'm not going to read that. Where it talks about the fact that there still remained a rest for the people of God. So what we are seeing over here, number one, when we read 2 Corinthians chapter 5, it's talking to us about the first peak, which is actually the creation of mankind by what the Lord Jesus did on the cross. That is what we are reading in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, that he died for all and all are dead in him. And if any man, if any woman is in Christ, he's a new creature. And then we, the second peak is this Sabbath rest, which we now read in that book of Romans chapter 8 and in Hebrews chapter 4. And it said that the old creation is waiting to enter into this same rest. There's a sense that you as a Christian, God has given us the chance to experience something of this rest of God. Remember that rest does not mean idleness. It actually means that we enter into the rest of God, is, 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 is government, into a relationship. We enter into this Yahweh relationship, the covenant relationship that God has with his own people. We are, we live for him, we live by him, we live in him, we worship him, we love him, where we have that relationship and where we are responding to his love and as his as ambassador. You know where we read in that in that ceremony, that we are ambassador for Christ. And that is actually the second peak. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Before I go today, I just want to talk about one more thing by the grace of God. And that is really with respect to the Garden of Eden. When God created his man, when God created his woman, in on the sixth day, then they enter into the rest of God on the seventh day. And what happened on the seventh day? God put them into a garden. So Eden is an emblem of God's rest. Genesis chapter 2, verse 8, and this is very important. The Lord God planted a garden, eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And then the Bible tells us a little bit about Eden. Now, I want to talk a little bit about Eden because it's a window into understanding this rest that God has called Adam and Eve and obviously the creation to participate in. We know something did go wrong, but we'll come to that. The name Eden, when you read the scripture, the name Eden is actually used in plural form. So the name Eden means pleasure. Hallelujah. God created his man. God created his woman and he put them in Eden. That word Eden actually means delight. It means pleasure. It's a life of luxury and pleasure. When God created his man, when God created his woman, he put them in Eden. He put them in a place of delight. He put them in a place of pleasure. 
It put them in a place of luxury. When we enter into God's rest, we experience God's happiness. We experience God's delight. We experience God's luxury. We experience God's pleasure. But we only experience those as we dwell in the rest of God. Eden is a place prepared by God for his man and woman, a place of pleasure, an environment of happiness. In other words, Eden corresponds to the idea of paradise, to the idea of paradise, where God is our king, where we are responding to him. And in that process, we enjoy God's delight. We enjoy God's peace. We enjoy God's happiness. Amen. So God created human in his own image and after his own likeness, he installed them as his deputy versa king and queen and he put them in a garden of pleasure and happiness. So this garden of Eden is actually a picture for us of what it means to be in God's rest. Because in the evening, what will happen? God will come in the cool of the day and God will have fellowship with them. That is rest. Remember what I said. It's not a rest of idleness. They were still, they were working. God gave them work to do. They were working. God told them to till the ground. God told them to multiply. They were working, but they were working from the place of rest. And that is very, very important. They were working from the place of rest. They were working from the place of fellowship. They were working from the place of pleasure. They were working from the place of happiness because they are dwelling in the rest of God. Adam and Eve, they rule from this position of rest. And this is very important. So we have seen that the meaning and application of Sabbath rest is intertwined with this concept of man being created in the image of God. Why was man created in the image of God? It's so that the man and the woman can enter into the rest. We can have fellowship with God because we were created in his image. There's a limit to which you can have fellowship with your dog or with your cat. Or if you rear animal like my brother does, your, your chicken and your goats, there's a limit to which you can have fellowship with them. You can, yes, it is true. Your dog loves you. You can have a level of fellowship with you, but the fellowship you have with your dog is different from the fellowship you have with your children and with your wife, isn't it? And with your husband. So God created man in his image so that the man and the woman can experience his rest. So sin, and we're going to talk about sin, but I need to mention it here. Sin did not only deface the image of God in man. Sin also shattered this rest. What was the devil's plan? The devil's plan is to actually shatter that rest. That was what the devil was, was gunning for. He was jealous of this rest, of this fellowship that human has been brought in with God. So the devil wanted to shatter that. You know, we have many, many, many evil people in the world today. That they, don't, they, they want to destroy a family. They see a family that are happy. There is peace between the husband and the wife. Their family is happy. And they come and try to sow you know, seed of discord because they want to shatter the beauty of that home. They want to shatter the love between the man and the woman. They want to shatter the peace in the family. And the Lord will not allow such to be our portion in the name of Jesus. And this is exactly what the devil did. He, shattered, he wanted to shatter the rest that God has brought the man and the woman into. And that was exactly what sin did. Sin, the face, and we've talked about that, that the image of God in human did not disappear, but sin bastardized it. Sin defaced it. But you need to understand that the ultimate thing that sin did was to shatter the rest that God 
has brought man to. And we are going to look at the fall in future teachings. So what we have seen is that rest in God and with God is the divine goal and intention of creation. The goal of creation, both the old and the new creation, the goal is so that you and I can enter into God's way. In creation, God works so that he can prepare us and make us fit to enter into his rest. Whether it is in the old, in the old creation, whether it is in the new creation, God works so that the human can enter into God's rest. In the Sabbath rest, we enjoy God and we glorify him forever. We enjoy God and we glorify him forever in fellowship and in communion. Hallelujah. And we participate with him in the administration of his kingdom. So the word rest captured the character and the atmosphere of the kingdom of God. Wow. The word rest captured the character and the atmosphere of the kingdom of God. So I'm going to stop there today. Look, these are mighty marvelous things that we have been studying. And I'm, I'm believing God that you will go back. It's not just what I am saying. Go back and study these things yourself. Listen to this message again. Get materials. Study it. Meditate upon some of these things until they become a reality and we understand and we know that we know that we know that we know that this is who we are and this is where we stand good. And if you are listening to me today and you are not born again, you are still far away from this rest because the people that are born again, they've entered into the kingdom, they've entered into this rest. And you can be born again. You can be saved even tonight. All you have to do is to come to Jesus and accept and admit that you are a sinner, you are a rebel at heart because all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Come to him. Admit that you are a sinner. You cannot save yourself. Your good works cannot save you because all our righteousness are like filled around. But he has made a provision for you. Come to him. Confess your sin by saying, I'm a sinner. Invite him to be your Lord and Savior. He will come. He will take that heart of sin. He will take it out and he will give you the heart of flesh. He will give you his spirit. And then you will become a son and a daughter of God. And he will walk with you throughout the remaining years of your life on earth. And when this is all over, you will be able to spend eternal life with him. I mean, think about it. Eternal life with him in the new heaven and the new earth. Please do it today because tomorrow may be too late. We sincerely invite you to check out our teachings on YouTube Maranatha Teaching Channel. They will bless you. Thank you.